morning. I always tell everybody there's one Sunday you get to run in church. That's Easter. I have cheated and run a couple other times, but normally Easter. Remember they were running from the tomb, they were running to the tomb. There was just so much excitement that day. Wouldn't it be great some Easter if everybody was running to church? Thank all three of you. All right. (laughs) It is great to see you today. One of my traditions for a long, long time, I wear a pair of carpenter pants for Christmas and Easter. Now, Brenda says it's because I don't want to wear a tie. But I wear a pair of carpenter pants because Jesus came uh, not as a financial expert, but he came as a carpenter. And his ultimate task was to build a bridge between earth and heaven, and he built it with just three nails. And so I wear this in honor of him. I believe everything he did was simple, down to earth. And also, in recent years, I started wearing a fishing shirt because he chose so many fishermen. And it reminds us of what our task is to be fishers of men. So glad that you're here today as we celebrate Easter. If everybody got a cross coming in, we want everybody to have a cross. And it looks something like this. You can actually put the chain through it if you want. Put it on your key ring or you can just keep it. But that cross will help tell the Easter story. So we want to give you something to remind you of the Easter service. If you come to Silver Saints this Tuesday, we're going to give out some olive wood crosses. They're made from uh, over in Israel out of olive wood. And so Jim Muir is going to be back with us this Tuesday. And so if you can come to Silver Saints It's 50 and over, but we don't even card people, so you can probably just get in, all right? But, so we have a hundred of these crosses, we'd love to have you come and be a part of that. If you did not get a cross, please grab one on the way out. Also want to encourage you, if you got a bulletin, the sermon notes today are really, really simple. I didn't go to a lot of work on the sermon notes, it's just the side that has the cross. I want to encourage you to take notes today. And then if you can, shoot me a picture of your notes, all right? And so I'm really giving you an impossible task, because literally with everything we're going to cover, it's going to be hard to get it on one side of a piece of paper. The back side is just some quiet times leading up to next Sunday at the 8 o'clock and 9.30 service. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 4. So last night we had the service. We had about a couple hundred people here last night, and I challenged them to write notes, and a couple people sent me their notes, all right? So this is Connie Bruce, her notes. She said to me, I heard somebody go, wow. She said on the way out, I am so glad you quit when you did. I was out of paper, all right? So anyway, this is Connie Bruce, and then later, uh, Michelle Penites. Uh, She drew this. She's a little more artistic there, just some different things going on. And so anyway, I appreciate I am not a note taker, all right? Now, my wife can take five pages of notes, and I got two sentences, all right? So anyway, whether you're a note taker or not, I just want you to focus and to write down. So today we're going to talk about the most important event in human history. You know, I Googled uh, last night, I just Googled the most important events in history. And I had all kinds of lists of important events, and there were a lot of important events. But on the list that I looked at, not one of them had the resurrection. 
But I want to I want to say with a hundred percent confidence that the single greatest event in history is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason I can say that with confidence is the Bible says it. And so today we're going to look at that resurrection, all right? We're going to look at that. So the Easter story did not begin on Sunday morning. When they found the empty tomb, that is not the beginning of the Easter story. Because resurrection always speaks of the physical body. So before he could be resurrected, he had to die. And so it's very important to understand the the whole Easter story. And so again, the fact that Jesus died is 100% proof that he was man. The fact that he rose from the grave the third day is 100% proof that he was God. And so again, the Easter story didn't begin on Sunday morning, but a few days later, earlier back at Calvary when Jesus died on the cross. Now, I want to be really honest with you because the Easter story didn't really just begin here. It actually began in the heart of God from the foundation of the world. Because the Bible tells us in Revelation 13, verse 8, that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. So I want you to know before God created anything, he already determined that Jesus was going to come and die on the cross. So really the Easter story began in the heart of God from the foundation of the earth. And so if you're taking notes, I want us to think about the cross and how the cross tells the Easter story. The horizontal bar of the cross reminds me of the eternity of God. The Bible says he's from everlasting to everlasting. And so when you think about that horizontal bar, it's a reminder that God has always been will always be, and that's the eternity of God. The Bible says everlasting to everlasting. That's our God. And so in the book of Psalms, David says it this way in Psalms 41. David says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And he even amened himself. Amen and amen. And so I want to give you guys a chance. I want to say this, the verse, I want you guys to say, amen, amen. Thank all two of you. All right, now everybody, this is your part. And amen means so be it, let it be so. And so David said, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. You guys are good, man. We're going to keep you around. All right, very good. So Jesus said in Revelation 22, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So part of the Easter story, part of what the cross reminds us, again, that horizontal bar, is that God is from everlasting to everlasting. Now that word everlasting, it comes from a Hebrew word, and I usually think of everlasting as future. But really the word can refer to everlasting to the past or to the future. All right, and so the word means always, continuous, perpetual, never-ending, forever and ever. That's why the Bible says that we are forever and ever going to worship God. Why? Because he's everlasting. But God is everlasting past and future. He always was, always will be. And that's what that horizontal bar of the cross reminds us, the eternity of God. 
And so when we think about creation, when God decided to create everything, when you think about God always being here, always will be here, the whole time of creation, everything we're experiencing in creation is literally a small dot on the timeline of God. Because he's always been here, always will be here. And so the several thousands and thousands of years on earth is really just a small part of God's creation. All right, And so God created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible says God walked in the garden and God was able to fellowship with Adam and Eve just like you and I are here today. But something happened in the garden that caused that to be broken. And they ate of the tree they weren't supposed to eat of. Now, can I just remind you this? When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, you can eat of all the trees. I mean, you can enjoy all the trees of the garden except one. Aren't you glad that the Christian life, there's more positives than negatives? But the one tree they weren't supposed to eat of is the one tree Satan talked to them about. Satan will always talk to you about the one thing you're not supposed to do, and he won't tell you the thousands of things that you can do. But Adam and Eve sinned, and they disobeyed God, and there was kind of a, a darkness that came on the earth. But the Bible says not only did Adam and Eve sin, but the Bible says we've all sinned. So sin became a problem that kind of separated us from God. Again, Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned and fallen short. And so there's been a sin problem. But again, didn't take God off, off guard because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Before he created the earth, he already knew Adam and Eve were going to sin. He already knew that he was going to send Jesus to die on the cross. He already knew all that. So the Easter story really begins in the heart of God from the foundation of the earth. And so obviously there was a problem. So God, who has always been here, always will be here, there came a point, and I love how Galatians 4.4 4 says, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, when the time was right, God sent his son. And so again, the horizontal bar reminds us that God is everlasting to everlasting. The downward part of the cross reminds us that God humbled himself, that Jesus came down to this earth and took on an earth suit. So it reminds us, in the verse we love to quote, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave. And so you've got some angel wings here right under the heart. I love how the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. How crazy is that, that God who created the angels all of a sudden came a little lower than the angels. He humbled himself, he came down, and again, he took on an earth suit. He wanted to identify with us. And so in the fullness of time, I love how Philippians 2, 7 describes it. And by the way, one day when we get to heaven and we see the Shekinah glory of God, when we realize the splendor of heaven and the worship of the angels, we're going to wonder how in the world, why would Jesus leave all of that, humble himself and come down to this earth and take on an earth suit and to die on the cross? Why would he do that? Because he loves you. He loves you so much, he was willing to die for you so that we could live with him. And so Philippians 2, 7 says, Jesus gave up his divine privileges and was born as a human. 
And I love how the Amplified Bible has Philippians 2.7. The Amplified Bible says, and let's just read it together if you don't mind, Jesus emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but was only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. And so I love how it says it, that he was willing to give up his deity, come down to this earth, take on an earth suit, and again, that he would be fully man and yet fully God. You say, how could God humble himself any more than coming down and taking on an earth suit, a human body. I believe when he went to the cross, he humbled himself even more. I love how Philippians says it in Philippians 2.8. He humbled himself and became obedient to death on the cross. I mean, God was willing to leave all the Shekinah glory and the splendor of heaven, come down, take on an earth suit because he wanted to identify with what we struggle with. He wanted to die in our place. So he came down, took on an earth suit, but the Bible says he humbled himself a little bit further and was willing to go to the cross. I just want to remind you that he died where we should have. All of us should have died for our sin. But he loved us so much and he knew we could never measure up. So he came down, lived a sinless life. He died for our sins. So again, that you and I could spend an eternity with him. Hebrews 2.9 says, Jesus suffered death so that he might taste death. For everyone. I love how the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24 that he bore our sin in his body on the tree. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he not only bore our sin, but Paul said he became sin for us. So when he hung on the cross, he died for the very thing that we should have paid for, but we couldn't. But he loved us so much. So he humbled himself, came down a little lower than the angels, took on an earth suit, lived about 33 years, and he died as the perfect sacrifice from God. But he lowered himself yet a little lower. You say, how much lower can you get from taking on an earth suit and from dying on the cross? The Bible says after he died, they put him in a tomb. I love how the Bible says it in the Gospel of John. It says, Joseph and Nicodemus took the body of Jesus, placed his body in a new tomb in which no one had been laid. And so he literally died physically as a man, and he was put in that grave, and the Bible says three days later he came out. And so he went into that tomb, and somebody says that about Joseph who gave him his tomb, man, that was awesome, Joseph gave him his own tomb. Really, he only loaned it to him for the weekend, right? I mean, he only needed it three days. Three days later, he came up out of that grave. I love that gospel song. It says, he only needed it for the weekend. Three days later, he came out of that grave. Even though the world did everything they could to keep him in that tomb, he came out. Again, the fact that he died is proof that he was 100% man. The fact that he rose from the grave is 100% proof that he was God. We serve an amazing God. So why would the resurrection be the single most event in human history? Because the Bible teaches us that. And so again, 
The horizontal bar reminds us of the everlasting to everlasting. The downward part of the cross reminds us that he humbled himself, came down to this earth, lived in an earth suit, died on the cross, was buried. And then the upward part of the cross reminds us that he rose from the grave and he ascended back to heaven. And so the good part of the story is he not only came down and humbled himself, but he rose from the grave on that Sunday. And by the way, no one really believed in the resurrection, even though he told them. No one believed that he was going to rise from the grave until they saw him face to face. And it literally transformed the church. Their lives were forever changed when he conquered death and the grave. And so the resurrection is the single greatest event in human history. Josh McDowell, who set out to prove the Bible wrong, he was an atheist, and so he did thousands of hours of research, and he said this about the resurrection. After more than 700 hours of studying this subject and thoroughly investigating its foundation, I have come to the conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever forced on the minds of men, or it is the most fantastic fact of history. It literally does change everything for eternity. And 1 Corinthians 15, you say, what's, what's the greatest chapter in the Bible on the resurrection? My opinion, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible says there, Paul says, if there's no resurrection, if there is no resurrection, Paul says, our preaching is empty, your faith is in vain, you are still in your sin, the dead will forever perish, and we are of all men most miserable. He said without the resurrection, we are forever stuck in sin. The resurrection literally sealed the deal. Because the gospel is that Jesus died for us according to scripture, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to Scripture. That's the gospel account. I love how the Amplified Bible says it here in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read it together. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, useless, amounting to nothing. And your faith is also vain, imaginary, devoid of value and benefit, not based on truth. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless, mere delusion. And you are still in your sins, under the control and penalty of sin. So it says very clearly the importance of the resurrection. It literally sealed the deal. And by the way, I've done, I don't know, over the last couple of years, I think I've averaged about two funerals a week. And every time I have the privilege of standing at the cemetery where they're getting ready to lower the casket, I always preach out of 1 Corinthians 15. That one day, this body that's going in the ground, one day is coming up. One day, God is going to raise it up and be reunited, and that's what 1 Corinthians talks about. As a matter of fact, it says there, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. How many of you know, no funerals in heaven, no, no caskets, no lowering bodies? I love how the Bible says Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's the first of everyone who will be resurrected. Now, I want to share something. I've, in my 43 years, I have never talked about this subject ever until this weekend. First time, 43 years, I've never talked about this subject. People have asked me, Pastor, what do you believe about cremation? How many of you ever heard that? 
People ask me, what, what does the Bible say about cremation? Here's my answer, not much. The Bible doesn't really address it, whether it's good, whether it's bad. The Bible doesn't say, even in the Old Testament under the law, it doesn't discourage us from being cremated, doesn't encourage us. The Bible does say we came from dust, we're going to dust. Can I just tell you one day you are going to dust? Cremation speeds it up. <laughs> Big time. Cremation is dust on steroids. We say, well, Pastor, I, 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 I have people talking about it. I think we're all being bombed. Embalming didn't even start till the 18th century. Can I tell you, they did not embalm in the Bible. If you go to Israel, there's a little concrete box. It doesn't even have a pillow for your head. And they put the body in the concrete box until it decays, and then they scrape together the bones and they put them somewhere. You're going to decay. Your body's going down. It's going to go back to the dust. You say, how in the world can God raise a body that's just dust? One word. He's God. God who created this world out of nothing, he is going to bring your body back. And we're going to get a spiritual body that's going to be like his. Even John says, as close as John was to the Lord, he says in 1 John, it doesn't yet appear what we're going to be like, but we know that when we see him, we're going to be like him because we're going to have a body like his. Man, you're going to look at me in heaven and say, "Woo! I didn't think God could do that with you, Roger. I didn't think so. Now, some of you that have a good earth suit, you're proud of your earth suit, you're going to be disappointed. But most of us, as our bodies are wearing out, I'm looking forward to a spiritual body. So again, when, when we call a person dying, they don't die, they don't cease to exist. Death is just merely our spirit stepping out of our earth suit. The moment your body ceases and we say death is the moment you step into eternity and begin to live as a Christian. Can I tell you, what we call someone's day of death is their day of birth in eternity. We're going to live forever. And so when I lower that body in the grave, I'm reminded one day that body's coming up. I love how it says in Revelation 20, by the way, at the great white throne judgment, it says, even the sea give up the dead who are in them. Now, if you died at sea, what's the chances of your body being intact? I got a feeling your body went into a lot of little fishies, big fishies. I don't know where your body went. You say, how in the world can God do that? He's God. So we start from dust. We go back to dust. Your spirit ejects at the moment we call death. And one day, everybody's going to come up out of that grave and be reunited to their spirit. You're going to get a spiritual body that's going to be like his. And why do we celebrate Easter? Why is it the most important event ever? Because it has an eternal value. Every other thing is temporary. But the resurrection is an eternal commitment and eternal decision. So I love how he says here in uh, 1 Corinthians, and almost 99.9% .9 of the time, if not 100% of the time, when I'm standing at the cemetery, this is the verse that I read right here. 
out of 1 Corinthians 15, where he says, we're all going to be changed. Death will be swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? He says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have victory over death. That's why we don't have to fear death. I read what the fear of death is called. I can't remember. It's something phobia. It says that 27 percent of people fear death. Hey, don't fear death. You're going to die. Don't fear it. It's part of going to eternity. Death is just merely a doorway to eternity. Jesus said this in John chapter 5. A couple years ago, I had the chance to go down to Jefferson Barracks. I'm going to tell you, I just had an afternoon just walking through these headstones. I love to go down at the old part where some of the old headstones were. And all the men and women who have served our country and their families. I can still remember one of the, the headstones that really grabbed my heart. It was a little girl that, that born and died on the same day. Some of them lived a very short time and then passed away. Can I tell you, we have no guarantee of life on this earth. But we do have a guarantee of eternal life. That we are going to live forever on the other side. You remember what Jesus said here in John 5? He says, For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Every single person that has what we call death, their spirit ejects. One day, everybody's coming up out of these graves. You're either going to be resurrected to eternal life, where you're going to live forever with God, or your body's going to be resurrected, be reunited to your spirit, and you're going to exist forever separated from God, which the Bible calls the second death, our eternal death. But you're going to be resurrected. Can I give you some good news or maybe bad news? A hundred years from this morning, Roger Johnson will still be alive. Yeah. Most of you will be on the other side with me. The earth suit won't make it that long. I hope. I hope I don't make it a hundred years. But we're all going to be alive. Can you see how important the resurrection is? Because it's an eternal decision. And what do you say? I don't know if I want to be resurrected. You're going to be resurrected. You're going to exist forever, either again with God or away from God. There's a song that, uh, I don't know who wrote it, it's called The Love of God. Several years ago, Gary Presley, he just had a thought about this song, and he kind of challenged my heart. And probably the one slide that I have spent the most time in my life, it took me probably seven or eight hours, several days, to do one slide. And it's in this particular thing. So I, I want to just show you the slides as we think about the love of God. When we think about the cross, that he's from everlasting to everlasting, that he loved us so much he was willing to come down, take on a nurse suit, to die on the cross, to be buried and rise again so that we could have eternal life. How do you describe the love of God? That's why Paul says in Ephesians, if you could just know the height, the depth, the width and the length. He said to know the love of God is beyond understanding. But I believe this song somehow tries to challenge us with thinking about how do we express the love of God. And so it, the song starts off with, Could we with ink the oceans fill? 
If you could imagine filling every ocean with ink, which would be a lot of ink. And then the song goes on, And were the skies of parchment made? If all the skies were a parchment that we could write on, all the oceans were in ink. And it says, And every stalk on earth a quill. And then the line goes on, And every man a scribe by trade. If literally every single person that has ever lived, will ever live, could somehow write in the sky the love of God, literally the ocean would run dry before we could express how much He loves us. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. There's no way with human words we could ever express the love of God. The song goes on to say, Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. There's no way we can express the love of God. It goes on to say, as we end, we got uh, two more slides. The fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again is the Easter story. It didn't begin on Sunday morning. Friday was very important because he had to die before he could be resurrected. But again, it really began in the heart of God from the foundation of the world. And the Bible says he rose the third day according to Scripture. And here's my closing question for you today. Where will you spend eternity? Every person in this room is going to exist forever. You're either going to exist forever in the presence of God if you accept the gift of eternal life. Or if you choose to reject it, you're going to live forever separated from God. I want to close with this story. Uh, Friday, I had got to go pick up my taxes. How many of you know I waited to the last minute? All right. And so I went to pick up my taxes. I went to the guy's house that does our taxes. And I pull up, and he's talking to another gentleman. He's in a pickup truck. He's standing out there. And so I waited a couple minutes, and I decided I'd just kind of walk up on him. And so I walked up on him, and I just listened to them talk. And so I kind of got into the conversation. The gentleman was there. His name was Marson, I believe. And he's from Jefferson County. So my chances of crisscrossing with Marson would be very slim. But we did that day. And so as I was listening to him talk, I said, Marson, tell me about your life. And man, this guy has lived an unbelievable life. I mean, he was in the military. He served as a firefighter. He, he cheated death three times. He should have died three times. And he began to tell me all the different things in his life. I said, Marson, do you know Jesus? And he said to me, why, well, I believe in a higher power of some kind. I just don't know who or what it is. I thought about Paul. Remember when Paul was preaching at Athens and he saw the, the, uh, the, the monument to the unknown God? You remember that? And he said to the people of Athens, let me tell you who the unknown God is that you're looking for. And when he said, I, I believe in a God of a higher power, I just don't know who he is. I said, Marson, his name is Jesus. My tax guy said, that's right, that's right. He's a believer. And Marson said, I, I don't know. And man, Marson wasn't sure. And, and man, and, and he was walking off. And, and, and I didn't get a chance. I wish I would have had a cross in my pocket. I would have given him the cross to remind him of the love of God. But I did get his business card. I'm going to mail him one. 
But when Marson walked off, as he was getting ready to drive off, I said, Marson, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember the name Jesus. Because when you get down, when you get discouraged, when you're really bottomed out, I want you to remember that name because he is the unknown God that you don't know. Call on the name of Jesus. And he drove off. I don't know if I'll ever see Marson again on this side. But wouldn't it be awesome on the other side if he came running up to me, man, and said, I found Jesus. That's the Easter story. That we serve a God that loved us so much, he came down, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose again, so that you and I could spend an eternity with him. I want to ask you today, where will you spend eternity? I hope there's not a person in this room that never, ever decides to not choose Jesus. I hope that you always choose Jesus. So I want to, I want to do a prayer. I've done this the last couple of weeks. I just want to say a prayer. I want to encourage everybody to pray it out loud. But there may be somebody here today for the very first time. This is the first time that you truly are asking Jesus into your life. If you feel a tug in your heart. I remember when I was down at Glorietta, New Mexico. I was in Texas Hall. This, this was a ginormous building. I was sitting on the very last row of Texas Hall. The guy that was preaching, Chester Swore, was about 110 years old. He was probably 65, my age, but he seemed like 110. I don't remember anything Chester said. But I remember that day, there was a tug in my heart, and it was like God saying, can you honestly say that you're willing to give me everything you are? And I wrestled with God. I can, I can still remember as a 19-year-old getting up and I walked down to the front and it was like a million pounds lifted off my shoulder. I want to encourage you not to walk away without Jesus. How sad it would be to celebrate Easter and not receive the ultimate gift of His Son. Whether you remember me or not, it is not a big deal. But whether or not you remember Jesus is an eternal deal. We have a lot to celebrate. So I want to pray a prayer. If you're here today, I just encourage everybody to pray it out loud. For most of us, we've already said this prayer, but it's not going to hurt to say it again. But there may be one or two here today that for the very first time, you truly are giving your heart and life to Jesus. Let's pray. Everybody pray out loud. Dear Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for humbling yourself and coming down to earth and dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for being buried. And thank you for rising again the third day. I ask you to forgive me and to come into my life as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. Thank you for saving me. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you prayed that for the first time, I'm not going to ask you to come down. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I don't normally do this. I actually walked down the aisles 19 years old. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father. 
If you're here today and you honestly believe that you prayed that for the first time and really meant business, I just want to ask you right where you are just to stand. You don't have to come down. don't have to say anything. Anybody here that prayed that for the first time and you're willing to stand and just say, I want everybody to know I prayed that prayer. All right. There's two up in the balcony. There's one up in the balcony here. Anybody else? One in the back here. There's another one. Last night had two. I just want to tell you guys, we have so much to be grateful for. I mean, I love hanging out with family at Easter. I'm not opposed to kids getting camp. But can I tell you, man, the real Easter story is that cross, that empty tomb. So as you take your cross, if you didn't get a cross, grab one on the way out. Put it in your, your, where you put your change. And when you pull out your change, I hope that cross is a small reminder of the love that God has for you. And if you get an opportunity, wouldn't it be great if we all gave our cross away to somebody and just shared the love of God? So grab a cross on the way out and just uh, share it if you can. And uh, as we did in the early service, we didn't do this last night. By the way, if you're watching by way of stream, uh, those of you that get to go home and get on Facebook, I want to challenge everybody, get on Facebook and just share the real meaning of Easter. Somebody says, I'm not very good at, at really talking. All you got to do is hit with your finger, share. And the message can go out. We have a lot to be excited about. So we're going to close. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm about ready to lose my voice, so I am going to go out screaming. We're going to do a Jesus cheer. We did it at the 8.30. Didn't do it last night. I didn't think about it until afterwards. I want to do a Jesus cheer. I want to go out shouting. I want, the, I want all of hell to know who we believe in. All of hell to know that there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. All right? So I'm, the only way I know to do it, Jack's back in high school, I'm going to give me a J. J. Not bad, but it's been a while since you've been in high school. Give me everything you got, whatever you got. If you're not a shouter, grunt, all right, whatever you got. I want you to walk out where you can all the talk. I want us to go out hollering Jesus, all right? Now, again, I, in high school, I always did this. Give me a J. Don't do this. Nope, or this. If you're going to get back at your spouse, do it later. This is all about Jesus. I want you to give me the best that you got. All right, so here we go. Give me a J. J. That was really good. That was really good. Almost scared me. All right, I got to start over. Give me a J. J. Give me an E. e. Give me an S. S. Give me a U. U. Give me an S. S. What's the spell? Jesus. Who's everlasting to everlasting? Jesus. Who humbled himself and took on an earth suit? Jesus. Who died for our sin? Who was buried and rose again the third day? Jesus. Who's King of kings and Lord of lords? Jesus. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven given whereby we must be saved.